Welcome, baseball fans, and Happy New Year. It is time for the first Running the Bases podcast of 2016. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, Happy New Year to you, good sir. Happy New Year, Tucker. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, man, uh, 2016, it's good to be here. Um, Let's get started. Uh, On Wednesday, we're going to have a new class for the Hall of Fame. Uh, So, you did a ballot. I did a ballot. It's a shame that we don't have an official ballot because, let's face it, they could use our opinion. Um, But uh, let's jump right in. Uh, Who you got, who you voting for to go into the Hall of Fame this year? Well, again, I wish I was voting. Uh, As do I. And I um, I mean, the question is uh, whether, I mean, there seems to be a movement, people uh, of different writers who have not voted for Bonds and Clemens in the past that are voting for them this time. Uh, that may be because it looks like Piazza gets in this year. And uh, those, I mean, Bagwell may get in this year. And there have certainly been eyebrows lifted, at least, uh, over the two of them. Uh, and there are writers that are that believe that once somebody has got in with steroids uh, that, or that has used steroids, that then that has to be dropped. Uh, maybe so. Uh, I believe somebody probably already is in the Hall of Fame that's used steroids. I don't know who, uh, but uh, I think it was a lot more widespread, the, at least the experimentation of it, than the general public is led to believe. I think uh, it could be a majority of players, uh, a 51% you know, type majority could have used them. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I still won't vote for Bonds and Clemens um, at any time. Uh, I mean, they. I, I like what Hondo said, the late, great Dave Henderson, yeah. you know, who was like, they suddenly were 30 to 40 pounds bigger and hitting the ball 40 to 50 feet further. You know, there was nothing he could do about that. Uh, yeah. The, um, well, and, especially... And, no, go ahead. No, and, and we all know that Bonds and Clemens uh, very likely would have been Hall of Famers without right. uh, the use. Uh, the But that doesn't change what they did. Uh, I mean, they cheated. Uh, they changed uh, the game. They changed perspective of the game. They changed careers. Changed the way other people are regarded. Uh, they hurt people who didn't use, uh, who played legally. The Dave Hendersons, um, and so in some cases that even makes them worse. Now that said, I can't go on just suspicion alone. There's got to be more than that. I mean, the report that. Piazza, you know, had back acne. That's not enough for me to condemn the guy. He did. Uh, now, some of these people that started looking like superheroes, that was always a test, you know, or that was the eye test. You, you could look at Sammy Sosa and say, you know, something's up. Yeah. Uh, and But I, I'll vote for Piazza and Bagwell, probably. I would put them as the last two on my, on my ballot and debate it until the time I sealed the envelope. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we work backwards, first off, this steroids debate's got to be one of the great gray areas in all of sports. But, I mean, you know, when you talk about they were cheaters, 
And then there's the Pete Rose issue that comes up from that. And then if you have your revisionist history going back to, you know, (laughs) players that are in the Hall of Fame who doctored balls and, you know, cheated within within the the, the lines themselves. Um, So it's it's you know, there just is no right or wrong answer. It feels like I don't know. And with Bonds and Clemens, uh, um, yeah, with Bonds and Clemens, you do have the fact that if they had retired before they went all in on, you know, becoming superhuman, they're probably still Hall of Famers, right? Right. Um, and in, Clemens so, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Bonds needed a couple more good years, and he certainly had them, you know, when he yeah. went to, when he left Pittsburgh. But Well, you know, 1998, he's uh, somewhere in the high 400 home runs. And, you know, you could project forward on his on what would have been a normal decline that he would have crossed 500 home runs. He was 400 stolen bases, 400 home runs. You know, he had the he had the numbers well within reach without these. No, he wasn't. And that's a great thing that we'll get to. But as far as this debate, you know, um, I mean, I guess we can work backwards and definitely cross off. You would never vote for Sammy Sosa, right? No. I mean, there's no way he puts up those numbers and gets Hall of Fame-type numbers without juicing. Mark McGuire. I don't think Mark McGuire would have been healthy without the stuff. Exactly. But he didn't look like you know, a sycamore before uh, he started juicing. Yeah. Using all the stuff he was doing. Yeah. And then here's an interesting one, and then we'll just get to, the, the, to our ballots themselves. But Gary Sheffield. <laughs> He's named in the Mitchell report. Oh yeah, and he he trained with Bonds. Right. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> There's a lot of smoke around that fire. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, uh, had the same um, what's agent for a while? Oh no, the same, same supplier. Yeah, Balco. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, uh, but I, I just feel, I, yeah, I feel sorry for Chef. I, you know. He, I think he was doing what he thought everybody was doing, you know. Yeah, and by all accounts, since Barry's doing it, it's okay, you know. I, I, I can see him thinking that way. Uh, Sheffield's a good guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I loved him when he was here. You know, he, he, he had a bad attitude, reputation, but when he came to Atlanta, man, you know, you play for the right manager and Bobby Cox, and you know, he, he was, he was a great asset to our team in that, in that four-year period, however long it was. Um, all right, so what? Long. No? Yeah. You disagree? It was like about two years. Oh, okay. Well, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, two years, four years, who's counting, right? Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go to the uh let's go to the ballot. Uh why don't you go first there? Uh go through I, I would I would always pick ten, although I don't know if I would pick ten this year. I had uh, a hard time getting to ten as well. Uh I had you know, Griffey is a lock for me. You know, he's one of those people you wonder why you can't be unanimous. Uh, the uh, and why couldn't he be unanimous? There's always there are people that have votes that don't vote for people on the first round on principle. I mean, and some of it is you know uh, because you know you have people like Rogers Hornsby who the first time he's available gets like seventy two percent of the vote. You know, uh, yeah. How does Babe Ruth not get? Hundred percent, or Ty Cobb, or you know, yeah. Uh, I mean, so many people have gotten such low numbers, or people that didn't get in on the first ballot. We don't even, you know, 
so there are people that just think that way. So and I think Seaver's still the top. Yeah, um, he is. And it, it's interesting. 8.8, I think. Yeah, I thought Maddox would have at least eclipsed that, but he didn't. And yeah. I think it's interesting. Never thought about the fact that there are those writers in the BBWAA who want to give more love to other players. So hence, they know oh, right. there's going to be plenty of love for the King Griffey Jr. So. Right, right. I have then, Griffey Jr. as well. That's a lock. So uh, tre- I have Trevor Hoffman. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. uh, as a new person. But this year gets... For me, on my ballot, I'm kind of getting people that got missed in recent years. Uh, I've always thought Alan Trammell and Fred McGriff were Hall of Famers. They were among yeah, – how are you going to say McGriff wasn't uh, the one of the top power hitters for five years in a row? Sure he was. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, the uh, I'd have Reigns and Messina. Uh, I, I think all four of these people have been – uh, kind of ignored. This is a year where I'd be more inclined to go with Edgar, uh, although <laughs> there are other reasons I would not want Edgar to get in right now. But uh, <laughs> such as <laughs> such as I, I would like it if if a DH never got in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but and then Bagwell and Piazza. That's nine. If I had to go with the tenth right now. I'd go with Billy Wagner. Billy and, Wagner. And that's partially because I really like him. And he was dominating. Yeah. Uh, One but, of the first throwing 100 right. consistently out of the pen. Right. Yeah. So you have Griffey, Hoffman, Trammell, Mucina, Reigns, Edgar, but with a question mark, Piazza, McGriff, Bagwell, and Wagner. Right. All right. So of those, has Tim Reigns always been a Hall of Famer to you? No. So is this a revisionist thing that's happening now? No, it's because the, partially it's because it, there's room on the ballot right now. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, but it's not the hall very good. Remember, no, I know, I know. I don't the debate. And uh, I'm I've always voted for ten, figuring that only a couple of them are going to get in. Sure, you know, and uh, the only. I mean, if I was going to vote for five, or let's say four, I would have Griffey, Trammell, uh, McGriff. Hoffman? And, uh, it would, yeah, probably Hoffman more than Messina. Yeah. Well, I, I interesting, I don't have Schilling. Yeah, uh, and I actually do. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But on on the the Tim Raines in particular, because this has been, I mean, and this is his ninth year on the ballot, um, always gets roundly debated that he looks more like a Hall of Famer now because of sabermetrics. You uh, know, yeah. I, people, so what people defines- say people say that, but Raines could take over a game. Uh, he was. Uh, he could steal bases and uh, rattle pitchers just like as much as Ricky Henderson. Uh, if there was were no Ricky Henderson, Reigns would be remembered in a lot different way. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, he played uh, in Montreal, so he didn't have there you go. You know, the same level of visibility, but certainly eight hundred and eight stolen bases. That's a pretty significant number. And, you know, as stolen bases just continue to decline in today's game, that also looks more valuable. His, 
it's not so much his total number of stolen bases, but his uh, I think his stolen base percentage may be the best of somebody over 500 or something like that. I don't know. But I mean, you know, he never got caught. Yeah. Um yeah, we'd have to I'd have to look that up a little further. But um so Mike Musina, I mean, just let me uh I guess let me just give give my ballot here in full. Um I have King Griffey Jr. obviously. And we're given the vote, I I would vote for the ones that don't need the support because you know, they're just deserving. Um, Trevor Hoffman's a first ballot, 600 saves and saves the back end of the bullpen. It's such a big deal now. Um, Alan Trammell. Now here's the thing about Trammell. You have the benefit of actually having seen him play and in his prime. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we talked about a lot is that, uh, wasn't it Cal Ripken Jr.? It was Billy Ripken. Well, Billy Ripken tells a story that when he went to go see Cal play in Detroit once, uh, Cal said, watch, uh, you know, Trammell play, uh, watch, watch their shortstop. I don't think he even mentioned his name. Then, uh, he's the best I've ever seen. Uh, you know, he was, he's like what defines a shortstop and everything. And this is Cal Ripken talking about Alan Trammell. That's pretty high praise. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I do have Tim Raines, uh, given what we just said, I do have Tim Raines as well. Fred McGriff. Absolutely. You know, he's only seven home runs shy of 500. You know, mm-hmm. and he was the five-year stretch that you talk about, and an MVP caliber player on multiple teams, including our Braves, um, uh, as a position player. Um, I do have Mike Piazza, but I do not have Jeff Bagwell. And then um, I include Kurt Schilling, and then that's nine. If I had to force myself to do ten, I'm giving it to Jim Edmonds. Edmonds was is somebody that. I would consider. I would put Kent in before Edmonds, you know, for another one. Yeah. But uh, Edmonds, such a fun player to watch. Absolutely. You know? uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, you know, so was Larry Boa. Yeah. <laughs> now, know? well, that's true. But I mean, Jim Edmonds defined center field for a stretch of years. And if you're going to talk about best at its position, you I know, don't think he was the best at his position. Uh, who's a better center fielder? During... Andrew Jones. Yeah, it's a good point. He won all the gold gloves. Yeah. Not that's... Edmonds. Well, Edmonds, nationally Edmonds made things look great. Mm-hmm. He got lousy jumps and would go back and make diving catches all out to make sure. up for the fact that there are other center fielders to be waiting on the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edmonds <laughs> had a way, you know, he, he had a lot of Willie Mays in him. You know, Willie Mays you know, famously wore a hat too small so it would, yeah. you know, go off. And Edmonds, you know, Edmonds did a lot of that. You yeah. Know, I, I like watching him play. I'm not putting that against him. You know that's showmanship. Well, he won. I mean, he's he went, won a lot of Golden Gloves. He he was he certainly did. But I mean, what's his lifetime batting average? How many home runs he hit? What what's his his production is offensively is not that. You're going to tell me he was a better center fielder than Gary Maddox? No way. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, I you know he may not have. I mean, there he was a really good center fielder, but center fielders are supposed to was he. As good as Griffey in center field, not anywhere close. No, no. And again, this he's he's number ten on 
on mine. He's at the bottom end of the <laughs> yeah. ballot. So, well, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, I considered him, you know, sure. do Louis Castillo. <laughs> <laughs> Who the Marlins are big on. Yes, yes. Marlins are all in on getting Castillo into the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, not so much for Mike Lowell, though. So, even though he's technically Mr. Marlin. Um, all right. So, let, let's talk about Schilling. We debated this a lot at last year's Hall of Fame announcement. Schilling is arguably the top in the top three best player on three world championship teams played in four world series overall. He's got hall of fame moments that you remember that casual fans remember across the board. And this is kind of the big poppy argument that's going to be coming up here in four or five years. Um, you know, his numbers, 216 wins, you know, lifetime 346 ERA, but you know, from 2000 to 2004, he's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. So, how is he not a Hall of Famer to you? Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, the uh, there are a lot of reasons I don't vote for Clemens and Bonds. It's not just that they were juiced. Uh, yeah, I have. Um, you know, just out of loyalty for my profession and teachers everywhere, you know, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'll stand up for the Rhode Island teachers <laughs> whose pensions got robbed by Mr. Schilling's video game company. Is this an important part of, of who we put in the hall of fame? It's an important part of who I put in the hall of fame. <laughs> is, it a, is it an important part of the Hall of Fame process? Obviously not. Ty Cobb's in. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, and I, he should be. I think Pete Rose should be in. I hate him. I hate Pete Rose. Always have. Well, but, I... but I, And I think they should say just nasty things about him on the plaque. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, they let him have a plaque. Or, or put like a black X across the... <laughs> The plaque or something. The, or, or the actually, engraving is behind bars? No, no. actually, you could just lower it six inches. All the plaques are on the same level. Just lower theirs by six inches. <laughs> so subconsciously, visually context, you that realize... That would be subconscious. That would be like right there. Yeah, they are, they are clearly less than. Or I don't know. I You know, it, it's, uh, it's the Hall of Fame's thing. Yeah. You know, they get to do what they want. Uh, it's a lot of it seems stupid to me, you know, well, that Clemens and Bonds aren't in, you know, that's stupid. Uh, but I don't want them in and you know, they, they hurt the game. Yeah. You know, I don't, uh, and that's, I wonder if Ty, you would ever say Ty Cobb hurt the game, but you couldn't say Pete Rose hurt the game. No. Uh, I mean, he he compromised the integrity, yeah, you know. Yeah. Now is that the same thing as hurting it directly? You know, I don't know. I I think that I think that if it, it, a couple of things, you got to remember that the Hall of Fame is essentially a museum, right? Right. right. Well, I mean, they're both there. You know, they're all over the place. You know, There's, so they are in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they just don't have a plaque. Uh, you know, Clemens and Bonds are all over the place. They just don't have a plaque. They're not part of the you know part of the gang. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean... And that's kind of like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> it, it is. It's social citizen justice for what we consider to be a great ill 
excuse me, that was committed. Um, but uh, let, okay, so now Mike Musina, all right, kind of a, the different argument. He's got solid Hall of Fame numbers and big pitching performances throughout his career. But until he goes to the Yankees, he's playing on Baltimore teams that aren't getting so much attention. I mean, you know, King Griffey Jr. is getting all the attention from those Baltimore teams. So, you know... Ken Griffey Jr.? I'm sorry, uh, Cal Ripken Jr. I was going to say. Yeah, Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> is stealing the spotlight in those those Baltimore teams that were competitive um, in the late 90s. Eddie Murray did all right. Eddie Murray did all right as well. But he was then he moved to Cleveland, so... Um, but uh, my point is, is that Musina, if you look at his plaque hanging in Cooperstown, what do you tell your grandson? Well, there's another compiler. (laughs) (laughs) You remember Don Sutton? These guys are very much alike. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, Messina was, you're right. I mean, uh, but there are, you look at the, their people stat-wise, if you, you look at, Herb Pinnock, you know, and Wait Hoyt and uh, Burley Grimes and uh, uh, Ted Lyons and uh, the uh, there are a lot of pitchers, uh, Stan Kovaleski, uh, that are in the Hall of Fame. If you start looking at their numbers, then they don't compare. I mean, Musina and you know Bly Levin and people like this look way better than they do. And just about whether it's wins or anything, uh, even Whitey Ford. Whitey Ford didn't do numbers like, uh, I mean, because he didn't get the wins that so many people sure. uh, thought he did. But uh, the, but there's no doubt that Musina was one of the top five pitchers in the game for about five years. Yeah. That to me is, you know, being one of the top at your position for five in a, for a five year period, that's one of the requirements in the hall of fame. And that one, um, is not as flexible as numbers are. You either sure. are, or you are not one of the top five. I mean, you know, you might be six one year, but you, you know, the argument. Right. Understood. Now you have Bagwell in, I don't, you know, there's the suspicion around him. He was never named in anything, not not in the Mitchell Report or that infamous, uh, you know, failed test list that the New York Times put out where you find people like Big Poppy. Um, mm-hmm. But Bagwell, to me, I just, I, did he have the five-year stretch? Oh, yeah. Necessary? Oh, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you have any doubt that Frank Thomas should be in the Hall of Fame? No. They're, they're almost exactly alike. Mm-hmm. Same time period, even born same day. Uh, they're, I mean, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're figures, their Hall of Fame. I mean, their you know, MVP numbers, home runs, RBIs, almost everything's exactly alike. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, and if you think Frank Thomas should be in, you've got to think that Jeff Bagwell should be in. And there's no doubt that Jeff Bagwell was one of the top first baseman for five years in a row it is the suspicion of being juiced i mean and his is the association with caminetti yeah uh, and the uh, and some things that he said uh he said some things that were careless that kind of indicated that he was okay with ped use i don't remember specifically yeah well a unanimous mvp in in 1994 um, and, uh, you know, he, he was, he, he, he passes the eyeball test of putting the fear in God of God in you when he comes up to the plate, if you're the opposing team. 
So I get that. I, I give more of an edge to Piazza, though. You know, still just suspicion around Piazza, but one of the best just offensive catchers of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, and and uh, I think that that's, I mean, that's that's marquee level stuff there uh, as far as the Hall of Fame goes. When you're the best of a position ever. No, 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 no. Or best at offensive. one thing. Yeah, right. Okay. It's solid, solid in the other in the other no. aspects of being a catcher. No, not no, at all. No, I don't think so at all. I think he uh, was arguably the worst catcher in the league. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, he worked at it. He worked hard, but he couldn't throw out you know water from a boat. Uh, I mean, uh, if water was trying to steal a base right, on a boat, right? right. He'd miss that too. Uh, the uh, And he was not particularly good at framing. He wasn't particularly good at bad balls. You know, uh, he didn't call a good game. Pitchers always complain about that. So, no, I don't think he was uh, a great catcher at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's not – if I'm going to make – you know, to me, the greatest catcher of all time is Johnny Bench. Am I putting Piazza anywhere near Bench's category? No. All right. So no, I'm putting Bagwell a lot closer to Lou Gehrig than I'm putting, uh, or Jimmy Fox, than I am to put Piazza next to Johnny Bench. Yeah. Or Yogi Berra, you know. Or well, Billy I mean, Dickey. So, so between Bagwell and Piazza, you find Bagwell to be more deserving. But Piazza, though, is more in line with the kind of wouldn't you say the nature of a hall of fame of a museum? It's like, here was the greatest this. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, here was a Met. <laughs> I mean, you uh, know, let's look at the percentage of people in the hall of fame that played for New York. Yeah. 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, so who's going to get in first Piazza or Bagwell? Take a guess. Yeah. Good point. Um, so, all right. and, you know, we're talking about Griffey won't be, you know, he's not going to get 100% of the vote. You know who could get 100% of the vote? Be the first one. Oh, yeah, we know who. And mm-hmm. he's going to overshadow Chipper for the most part, probably, yeah, yeah. if they come up, if, if Chipper gets left off the first two years. Um, all right. Now, Edgar Martinez, tell me what's the case against Edgar? He is DH. All right. And what's the case for Edgar? He was one of the best hitters in the game for five years. Yep. Some of the best. Yep. I mean, you know. It's, it's pure sort of hitting. Pure A pure hitting machine. Right. And a lifetime 300 batting average, and that's in, what, um, over, let's see here, over 2,000 games played. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. He, he was uh, a top player. Um, you know, uh, Edgar, here's, uh, let's see. <laughs> He has two batting titles. Um, I find this interesting. He won the Edgar Martinez Award. Edgar did? Edgar won the Edgar Martinez Award five times in his, in his career. That seems low. <laughs> seems like he should have won more, though. Seems like he should have won that every year. Every know? year. But you look at some of these numbers, you know, bats. In the two years he won a batting title, 343 in 1992, and he bats 356 in 95. He was always a candidate uh, to break 400. So, should a DH ever be in the Hall of Fame that was exclusively a DH? 
And if we're going to put closers in that were exclusively closers, yes. And by that metric, it should be Edgar. (laughs) Edgar should be the first. He kind of defines what you want out of a DH. uh, I'm not real keen on DHs. I'm not real keen on closers. Uh, But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then, so, the Big Poppy debate then. Is Big Poppy, you know, he's going to cross 500 home runs this year. Is he a Hall of Famer when he comes up in five years? You know, a lot of it will depend on what what happens to Clemens and Bonds during that time. Yeah, and there's an interesting groundswell happening for Clemens and Bonds, to I be know, sure. I know. Now, do you feel that, you know, the steroid-era players, what they're doing is making players that are more or less on the fringe, like a Tim Raines, like a Fred McGriff, look better? But shouldn't it be that we want the ones that were truly great to look even greater? So hence, it should be even harder to get into the Hall of Fame, and so King Griff- and thus to give more love to King Griffey Jr. I don't think in recent years. I mean, and I'm certainly partial to people that have gotten in in recent years, uh, but I don't think there has been anybody undeserving uh, that has gone into the Hall of Fame. I can't think of anybody who has gone into the Hall of Fame that I was like, what? You know, yeah. uh, ever, really. Uh, and certainly not recently. Yeah. So I, I don't think that that argument flies. Yeah. Deserving is deserving. Yes. If you get in, then that's deserving. Right. Um, I mean, well, a lot of people have argued Bill Mazeroski was uh, really for a long time. Uh, they are. Yeah, I mean, Mazeroski got in the last year. He was eligible in the uh, on the old timers vote or whatever, and uh, or you know the second time around vote, and he uh, just barely scraped in, and because he never hit, he's pretty much remembered for that one home run and being the greatest fielding second baseman ever. Yeah, but that kind of fits your Piazza argument. Well, sure. I mean, you know, it's 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 a gray area even within my own my own <laughs> my own feelings about, you know, who is deserving of the Hall of Fame and who is not deserving of the Hall of Fame. Um, I just would not vote for Bonds and Clemens because of um the way that, you know, if this is a game that we're trying to highlight the best of, um they don't deserve the plaque and that's kind of the end of it, you know. Um, so I mean, you, you know, then you say Ty Cobb. Well, good point, Ty Cobb. But oh, there are a lot of uh, really. I mean, Cap Anson's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and yeah. then the Pete Rose debate. I mean, unfortunately, there's not a lot of gray area. He bet on on baseball That's where he had card. he had an, a hand in the outcome. Right, right. So right. I mean, you know, Ty Cobb. What do we know of what Ty Cobb did to cheat on the field? I mean, he had a lot of nefarious activities off the field, but did he ever, when he was in uniform, compromise the integrity of the game of baseball? Oh, nobody that ever saw him play. I mean, you know, he hurt people. Look at what he did to Ray Fossey, you know, and stuff. Uh, There is that. uh, But uh, you would have always thought that Pete bet to win. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would uh, that that has nothing to do with it. he doesn't deserve to be in baseball. He gets kicked out of baseball, but I see baseball's not the Hall of Fame. 
No, it is Hall isn't. of Fame is not owned by Major League Baseball. No. Uh, and so seems to me that just because he's kicked out of baseball doesn't mean he has to be kicked out of the Hall of Fame. But the Hall of Fame can let anybody in they want. You know, they can say we we have been wrong for years, and for the next 10 years, we're only going to vote in women. Uh, sure. Because we haven't voted in nearly enough women. And so that's all we're going to vote for for the next 10 years. And they can do that. It's their building, their <laughs> rules. It's their party. They can invite who they want to. Exactly. Well, should that be some of the changes in the in the Hall of Fame procedure? I mean, it's the baseball Writers Association of America, but yet they're taking away votes for certain people. And, you know, we've long argued that people like Vin Scully should have a vote. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying they should, but you can't think there would be anybody that would be more astute in their uh, their vote or somebody that would be better qualified than Vin Scully and some of the other play-by-play uh, -play -play announcers over the years. Uh, I feel like some of them might be biased. You can't see Vin Scully ever being biased. Uh, the uh, But I... Uh, what should it be? Again, again, it's the, the baseball writers. It's their club. You know, they, they are the... I mean, uh, they made the... They made up the whole thing they made up the all-star game they made up the hall of fame they made up you know it was their idea they did it they get to make the rules that you know you can't come in and say uh, you know that's like we, you know we, we could go to holland and say look we really like your cheese and we're gonna it's gonna all come to america first before right. you send it anywhere else because we want to pay for it. You know, I mean, you know, you, you, I mean, you can't just arbitrarily go into another company, another organization, another business, another club, and say we want to change your rules. Sure, and that's it's their rules. But don't would it be better for their for their sake and for the fans if within the BBWAA there was a special Hall of Fame committee? Like, has have we evolved to the point where we need like just like with you know, fil the film industry, you know, the Oscars are voted on by Ampus and you have to be a member of Ampus to vote on the Oscars specifically. And you have to maintain a certain amount of, you know, activity and, and credits and credentials. I mean, is that where it should go? Should there be a hall of fame committee that rotates members in and out, you know, over the course of time to allow for Vince Scully, Marty Brenneman, um, you know, even Bob Euchre to to weigh in on who is a Hall of Fame baseball player. I'm not certain that any kind of lessening of the numbers might make the bias toward New York and Boston and East Coast teams even greater. That's a good point. And then, you know, again, you 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 said this very, uh, and I agree. Those that have gotten voted in are deserving. I, at least in recent years, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for Epirixi. <laughs> you know, I really, I know very little about him. Um, uh, Bid McGee, <laughs> I, I know very little about him. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you, uh, as certain writers, you know, that are from the yesteryear era or from 
from you know they're not covering baseball presently um do we need to maintain that they keep their vote even though they haven't been covering baseball regularly to make sure that like an Alan Trammell gets the proper support that's deserved there a couple of things uh, now I they took away a hundred votes this year uh, the baseball writers did I got to I don't know who they were taken from I got to assume that that was the right move um, I feel uh there are writers, um, I mean, Furman Bisher, the, uh, who was a sports editor for the Journal-Constitution for 500 years, uh, was a beat writer, I think, back for the Crackers or something, I don't know, but he had a Hall of Fame vote, but he didn't cover the Braves or any other uh, baseball team in particular, but he was very active in the sports world, an important writing figures. Should it be taken away from him because he's no longer covering uh, and hadn't covered uh, a particular team for a good length of time? I don't know. I think that people that uh, get the vote have to have, at least at one time, and, uh, and a taste of the real uh, underbelly of the game should be go into locker rooms and see and into clubhouses and see uh, the machinations of a team prior to uh, and after games to get a real taste of the way things are. We see so much of a fantasy world, and it's what we want to see. Uh, and if you're just a blog writer and you never go to games, you watch it on television and uh, the uh, are listening or and seeing the game that the network is putting in front of you, right? Uh, then I'm not certain that you should ever deserve a vote. Okay, well that's a good point for sure. Um, you know, I think from that my was so- the point, I thought I was rambling. Um, well, that you know what what qualifies having the knowledge to cast a vote to be deserving of a ballot because mm-hmm. if you're not in the clubhouse and you're not traveling with the team or seeing how certain ball players prepared, you know, to go out and, and excel at the level that would make them a hall of famer. You're right. You don't know the whole story. You don't know the full picture. And at the same point, you don't know if they're taking steroids or not. So I, I also, cause it is, it is a baseball reporter that blew that whole thing open. So I also think that, to have a vote, you should be able to say in the seventh inning that he's lost a little something off his fastball. It's not tailing as much. Or you sh- you could look at a Randy Johnson slider and recognize that that was indeed a sli- slider, not a fastball. I mean, you- you've got to have a certain vision of the game. Fair enough. All right, so... Wednesday, when the ballot, when the uh, uh, results are announced, who's going into the Hall of Fame? I think I haven't been keeping up with uh, who the what the vote tallies are from people and what. Uh, I mean, I know Piazza was real close last year. He was like sixty nine or something like that. Percent. He was sixty nine. Yeah, yeah, he was essentially seventy percent last year. Yeah, and then you know the the and Bagwell was fairly close. Fifty fifty six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Reigns was fifty five, and then 
it's diminishing returns uh, right. far down after I, that. I'm not certain. Uh, I think Griffey gets in. Uh, I think I would guess right now uh, kind of 50-50 with Hoffman. Uh, I think Piazza gets in and maybe Schilling. Schilling might get you know, because all that stuff that happened to his daughter and stuff, you know, and he came out. He did well. Yeah. And then he starts comparing Muslims to Nazis, and so... Uh, I know, I know. He can't get out of his own way when it comes to currying favor. It, is he still on ESPN? Yeah, he's back. Yeah, he served his suspension, and he's back now. But I don't know if he's going to be back in the booth like he was. Yeah. I think that that, that ship may have sailed, because they've got the they got the lady now, uh, yeah. and she's fantastic at her job, and doesn't say stupid things like that. So... um. But so you, yeah, Griffey for sure, Trevor Hoffman, right? Maybe, and Piazza for sure. I think Piazza gets in this year. Those three? You're going yeah. with those three as... as, well, I, I, as really, it? really, I'm I'm going to say Griffey and Piazza. Just that? No, yeah. no Hoffman? No Hoffman. I'm going to go uh, Griffey and Hoffman, um, and then I will go uh, with Piazza and Reigns. I think that this is the year for Reigns. I think that Bagwell, I'll tell you this, if Piazza gets in this year, Bagwell will be in next year for sure. Um, and I haven't looked ahead to see who comes up in 2017. I remember it's a more loaded field. Uh, I don't see four, you know, four people last year was really rare. Yeah. Really rare. I think it's, you know, only happened a couple of times if you exclude like the Negro League votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, next year, you really, let's see, Jorge Fasada comes up next year, J.D. Drew. Vlad Guerrero, Vlad Guerrero is uh, uh, eligible next year, as is Manny Ramirez, as is uh, Pudge. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's a that's a good point. Oh, maybe it's just Griffey. What if it's just Griffey? Uh, it's been one person many years. Yeah. I mean, uh Blylev and Larkin, you know, I mean, uh, well, Larkin went in with Sano. I think. Yeah. But, well, then I'll 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 trim it down to to Griffey, Hoffman, and Piazza. I think it'll be those three because I just think Hoffman in this era defines the modern day closer. And I mean, unless they would hold out until Mister uh, 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 Rivera is um, available. Um, I think I, I no, I don't know that Hoffman defines the modern era closer. I mean, he more of a compiler. Mm-hmm. You know, he. I mean, most of your closers are your Billy Wagner's. You know, Lee Smith, who's still on the ballot. People coming out throwing gas. Uh, sure. Hoffman coming out throwing changeups. Uh, that's not your modern day closer. Um, but he did it. All the time, year in and year out, for you know a long time. You'd have to say he was one of the top five, you know, for five years or more. And yeah. so many relievers had, were every other type years, you know, yeah. like the Giants. Uh, right. He, he was a model of consistency and a sub three ERA for his career as well. So, yeah. well, I'm mean, that's that's I'm 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 now that's my lock: Griffey, Hoffman, Piazza in uh, 2016. Um, so kind of interesting as this year is now brand new at the end of this year, the CBA comes up for, uh, uh, it has to be renegotiated. It has to be renewed. So do you think that the CBA process is going to become a problem 
Or is it going to be taken care of? Will we see a labor stoppage? I don't think there will be a labor stop- stoppage. I think both parties are way too smart for that. Uh, too much money at stake too much now money. in this day and age. Uh, so. I believe there are a lot of things that are going to have to be negotiated that are going to be very difficult to negotiate. And I think it is... Um, I, I mean, I could see there not being a labor uh, a stoppage, but uh, they're having a very difficult time ratifying this thing before play the next year. Oh, interesting. Well, one thing that I think uh, fast- I, I don't know what happens with that, but I mean, you know, if, can if it's not ratified, in- that's a. I mean, as far as I know, it's a work stop. Could we actually yeah. see a player strike? Because yeah, well, see, I don't. I could see it like it's nobody's fault in particular you know not the owners or the players but they just can't get it together because there's so many issues sure um one of them that uh interested to hear your take on this that travel that travel has become too problematic we've been playing 162 games for what since 1960 1961 so how is it that now suddenly travel is a big problem uh well because there's so many more teams or there are more teams they uh inter league play and stuff like this makes for more travel mm-hmm. uh you know if you're playing just within your division or your league or something you're playing your is less travel there are no more double headers so uh that's you know more dates where they are playing less off days true uh the uh, part of the agreement now is that after every, they have to have an off day after like 17 days or 18 days in a row, uh, something of this nature, and a couple of exceptions. Yeah, you know, I, I bet that that's as long as that period has ever been. You know, I think there are probably yeah. been off days in between that. Uh, travel is worse. However, uh, it's also, they are traveling. Uh, in their own personalized jets or, you know, uh, I mean, yeah. they are, they are flying in, uh, high comfort. Uh, it's not like getting on trains, you yeah. know, the, the way, I mean, but uh, yes, they, their travel is a, is going to be a distinct issue. And, and it's also, uh, that becomes an issue where you have teams like Seattle travel so much more than does any other team. Sure. And uh, is this fair to them? Blah, blah, blah. Well, what do you think is the biggest issue, the biggest hurdle that's going to be a part of the the CBA negotiations? Compensation for free agents. Yeah. I as well. And then also the luxury tax. Yeah, luxury tax is going to be a significant issue. Do you think the player's share is, uh, is, is fair at this point, considering how much money... You know, look at the contracts being handed out. It's hard to say that they're not getting a good chunk of the of the revenue. I don't know enough to really say anything like that. I'm all for the players getting all they can. Yeah, you know, but well, I uh, believe this. They're paid like movie stars because they perform like movie stars. Yeah. Well, and I'll I'll say this. I hope for certain. Well, I hope sincerely that there's a salary uh, floor. And we, oh, you've yeah, talked I've, about this I've said that for a salary basement. I think is 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 going to be key so that we do something to put a curb on uh, uh, tanking. 
you know, that they, that, you know, this idea that you can just tank and sell off all your assets and have a, you know, nickel nose payroll for a couple of years, um, you know, keep them competitive. And, 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 and then that I think would satisfy the big market clubs who are, uh, you know, upset about giving the small market teams, you know, money that they aren't using. So, uh, before you can do that, however, you're going to have to reevaluate assets in ways that they're already doing. Uh, prospects now have certain price tags on them, where they are drafted, what round, uh, and like a second. And I, I don't know the figure, but the uh, a second round draft pick may be worth uh, $750,000 uh, in its first year. And in its third year, is worth two and a half million dollars. I mean, I, I they, those have to be included in uh, a sabermetric value to be sure. Yeah, projecting yeah. A, a war for that particular prospect. Well, just uh, you can't look at what the Astros and the Cubs have done in the last five years and say that that was the wrong thing for them to do. That's now, a good point. They took ninety-five years, you know, for the Cubs to figure out what to do those last five <laughs> years, and you can blame them a lot for that. But sure, uh, and the uh, Astros, it took them too long as well. But what they have both done in the last five years, uh, I think they are uh, happy about uh, now, and, and so, their fans are too, right? right. Certainly. So, all right, last thing, and then we got to go. Um, the a lot of big free agents still available in the in the dawn of a new year. So, uh, what do you think's the next big piece to fall? Chris Davis, the Red Sox. <laughs> well, that was simple enough. I'm thinking Cespedes to the White Sox. I heard this earlier. It makes sense. You know, let him go join up with Jose Abreu, and you know they'll have the. I think Cespedes going back to the Tigers. Ah, uh, interesting. Illich likes to do stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, the. Red Sox are with all the you know they've gone off, gotten Price and gotten uh, Kimbrel, Kimbrel and uh, all these their little pieces. I think they got Davis, uh, and they still have Hanley Ramirez playing first base this year. No, that's not going to happen. That's not going to work out well for no. him. Yeah, no, they're going to pay him to go away. This he never played first base. Not no. working out. No. All right. Well, hey, thank you. As always, to everyone checking out the website at runningthebases.com, you can download this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash runningthebases, and on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at runningthebase, and like us on Facebook. Coach? And let me say, you asked the other day what one thing I was looking forward to 2016, and kind of a segue with this uh, show. I hope for good health to Vince Scully. I do too, and is it will most likely be his final year. I, absolutely, that's a good good call. Hope he has a, a strong year and good health, and we get to hear just soak up as many Dodger games on the MLB TV app as possible. Because seems like this this is this is his time to to retire. So, um, but anyway, so for Coach Bounds, I am Tucker Wells. This is the Running the Bases podcast. We're coming into home, and we're safe. Have a good night, Coach. Good night.